The Great Old Broads for Wilderness is a national conservation organization formed 25 years ago. Central Oregon has a strong and active chapter of Old Broads. I'm Brian Jennings for The Source Weekly. Joanne Richter is an Old Broad for Wilderness and is co-leader of the Central Oregon Bitterbrush Broads. This is SourceCast. The uh, Great Old Broads for Wilderness is a national organization that engages and inspires um, elders um, to engage in activism for the protection of wilderness and public lands. And our local band, the um, Central Oregon Bitterbrush Brands, ha- ba- Bitterbrush Broads, has we have four central uh, focus areas that we engage our members in. Uh, the first being um, educational. Uh, walks like we're doing today out in the Badlands. So we um, we have experts in geology or wildflowers or birds who come out with us and we take nice hikes and, and learn various aspects of natural history. Um, those are called broad walks. Uh, we also have uh, what we call broad activism. So we go out and, um, or broad service, I'm sorry. So we go out and and do weed pulls or help restore repair trail systems. We work with our local uh, forest service partners and, and other conservation organizations to do that work, which is what I, I enjoy doing. We also have what we call broad chats, uh, which are um, uh, every other month we get together and have wine and cheese and have an expert come in and introduce a topic and we, we talk about it. And we, we also work with our local conservation partners to have educational talks for the broader community. We might rent a large your space and and talk about things like um, migration corridors for deer mm-hmm. or things like that that are of concern um, for the broader conservation community. Mm-hmm. And lastly, we do engage in broad advocacy. Uh, we, when um, things get us riled up, we, we definitely engage. The mail here situation was a classic example where in four days, we, uh, with the help of Alice Elshoff and others, we organized a very successful um, protest um, rally uh, against the mail here occupation. It's called um, Grannies Against Bullies, which was pretty funny. Alice came up with that. Uh, we also recently submitted um, a, a letter uh, supporting wilderness designation for Crater Lake, uh, some areas around Crater Lake National Park. And we also sent a very long letter um, uh, against a proposed uh, off-highway vehicle uh, trail system in the, in the Ochico Mountains that we, we're very strongly opposed to. Uh, so we do we do a lot. We have a very active membership. Uh, we have, I think we have about a, over 150 people on our mailing list, and um, it's it's just a great organization. Tell us about uh, when uh, Great Old Broads was formed, and how big is this organization? Well, it was formed uh, 25 years ago, and there are I always get this wrong. I think there are 20 or 25 uh, chapters, uh, mostly throughout the West, but um, also one in Minnesota. Uh, so in Oregon, there's um, there's one in the Willamette and one in the Portland area, and ourselves here in Central Oregon. Uh, there's uh, one in Nevada. There are quite a few in Utah and um, um, Colorado. Their their home base, the the national organization, is based in Durango, Colorado. A group of ladies who were. Uh middle-aged and above, uh, and have a love of outdoors. Absolutely, and actually uh, what stirred them up was um, uh, Orrin Hatch, way, way back, made the statement that, well, we don't need wilderness areas because nobody can get out out into them except for younger people. And these these active uh, older women in Utah said, heck with that. 
And they went out and they uh, demonstrated and st held up their signs and started to protest against the sediment that, you know, anybody should be able to get onto it and, and enjoy wilderness areas, not just the young people. And we need more more protection of wilderness areas. Did they invite Orrin Hatch on a hike? <laughs> I don't know. They might have, but he probably didn't show up. <laughs> yeah, but that was the origin of it. And, you know, it's grown from there. Um, each chapter... Uh, really engages in what their passions are. Um, so we do a little bit different stuff than the chapter in um, Durango does, for example. Sure. But, um, yeah, I think that's the key. The, the national organization, is they, they provide resources to us, but basically um, let um, each chapter follow their passion. Joanne Richter, co-leader of the Bitterbrush Broads. Katia Speaker is not old. Many of her older colleagues call her a broad in training. She's on the planning committee for the Bitterbrush Broads. Oregon has fallen behind other states in the West in wilderness designation. I believe Oregon has about 4% of its designated land as wilderness. Idaho has 10%, Washington 9%, California 15%. Mm -hmm. Yet Oregon is considered the green state. Mm -hmm. So what's up with that? I know it really is an alarming statistic, isn't it? Um, and I don't think many people know it. And that's what I think is part of the problem. I don't think a lot of people know how little amount of wilderness we have here. And so we really rely on a lot of our um, partners and conservation organizations to get the word out about that. Uh, one of those organizations is a nonprofit I used to work for, Oregon Natural Desert Association, based here in Bend. And they're a wonderful nonprofit. They work to advocate for wilderness. If you look at a map of Oregon's wilderness lands, um, the majority of those are in forested areas. I think part of the reason why we have such a small amount of wilderness here is because we don't have enough desert wilderness areas and, and wildlands um, that are designated that. So we have three right now. We have Steens Mountain, we have Badlands Wilderness, and we have Spring Basin Wilderness. Um, and that's really tiny considering that Oregon is roughly two-thirds arid and desert lands. So you would be a strong advocate of the Owyhee Canyon lands as a wilderness area. Yes, I personally and the Broads are very much an advocate of um, the Owyhee becoming a wilderness area. It is an amazing place. I mean, it's called, you know, Oregon's, um, you know, Grand Canyon. And, and it would be um, a huge addition uh, to that wilderness amount. Locals are really opposed to any kind of designation, as you know, of the Owyhee Canyon lands. Mm -hmm. Can we live together and still enjoy the lands while making a living, while ranching this land? Is there a way for everybody to, to uh, share and participate in these wonderful treasures? Uh, we believe yes. The Broads believe that that is a possibility, and I believe that as well. Um, I think there are examples across the country of wilderness where that is happening. So I do absolutely believe that it is possible. And, um, you know, even here in, here in the Badlands where we're at right now, it took 20 years for this area to be designated a wilderness. And it took a lot of collaboration, took a lot of communication. It also took an understanding of um, the benefits of having a wilderness. And, and those are economic as well. Those are recreational as well. So they can benefit those communities in that way. There are several studies which link uh, rural economies to uh, public lands. The closer they are to public lands, the better they do economically. 
Yeah, that's correct. And will you know just even what's happened most recently um, with the Malheur? Um, there's a bird festival going on there that happens every year. Uh, I heard an interview on the radio with uh, the um, the chamber, um, the the chair of the chamber saying, you know, we really love people coming to our area visiting this place. Um, you know, they bring money to this area. They patronize they patronize our businesses. So it's really really a good partnership to have. And um, that's not a we've seen initially uh, when we talk about conservation, but it's worth pointing out. So you see a lot of room for growth for wilderness areas in Oregon. Yeah, there's definitely room for growth. There's a lot of room, especially in the arid lands, like where we are right now. Katia Speaker of the Old Broads for Wilderness. Martha Bibb is a longtime hiker and mountain biker who joined the Old Broads group for this hike into the Badlands wilderness east of Bend. Now, Martha, you're representing yourself as an individual uh, on this hike today. You are a mountain biker and you love wilderness. Should mountain bikes be permitted in wilderness areas? I don't believe that any wheeled vehicles belong in the wilderness. I think it's uh, counter to the concept of wilderness. In addition to that, mountain bikes create a lot of erosion. Uh, they cause erosion in the trails. It's difficult to maintain a trail when <clears throat> hikers walk on it when the trail is soft. But when mountain bikes go on the trails, it really causes erosion and it causes um, rutting in the trail, which is hard on the footing for the for the walkers. And uh, it causes erosive channels to form in the trails themselves. Not only that, mountain bikers have to go off the trail repeatedly every time there's a hiker or another mountain biker. So what happens is you get widening of the trails and you have a horrible amount of dust created by that. There are 1,200 miles, basically, of trails and roads for mountain bikers to ride and to recreate in, in central Oregon. So why would they need a wilderness area? You don't need a wilderness area for bicycles because bicycles do not belong in the wilderness. The wilderness is for, in my opinion, foot traffic. It's not for any kind of vehicles. I'm not even in favor of having horses on the trails. There's a lot of trail damage from horses, especially if the terrain is steep, because they step on the downhill side and further break down the trail. So I know they're grandfathered in, but you know, like a lot of things that are grandfathered in and a lot of things that happened in the past, perhaps the wilderness is not an appropriate place for horses or for any kind of animals other than the native wildlife. We should also point out that wilderness designations are considered the gold standard of conservation. And as the gold standard, that means they are primitive and should remain primitive according to the 1964 Wilderness Act. Uh, my feeling about the gold standard is that uh, we gave that up in the currency system and some standards need to be changed and updated as time goes on. In the South, it used to be the gold standard to have slaves. Uh, we've, gone, we've come past that. We can come past other standards which are inappropriate at this modern time in history. 
So the Wilderness Act perhaps should be updated to exclude other invasive forms of travel? I think that changing the Wilderness Act would be very, very difficult because of the um, intransigence of the of the users. So, but we need to have some uh, forethought before using trails. That's my opinion. Whether it be uh, hikers or people on horseback. Well, the other thing that we need to point out is that the U.S. Forest Service and the BLM, who control and manage these systems, have very little budget for trail maintenance. And to allow other mechanized uh, routes in wilderness areas, there would be an almost impossible task of maintaining these trails. I agree with that completely. I think that thankfully we have a lot of volunteers and we're getting more volunteers all the time. We have people in the in the broadband, but we have volunteers in for BLM land and for Forest Service land and some of the most demanding jobs are blocking roads and trails that don't belong there that aren't designated. And a tremendous amount of money has to be spent to to restore those lands. Martha Bibb, speaking as a mountain biker and hiker about the national proposal to allow bikes in wilderness areas. The eldest member of this hike into the Badlands wilderness was Shannon Earnshaw, with an interesting story and perspective to share. And I have been an old broad, but not officially, for probably 50 years of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, congratulations. You're holding up very well. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You were involved early on in the creation, at least the proposal, to begin work for the Badlands Wilderness designation. And then you left for Chile for 12 years. You've recently come back. And now this is a wilderness, the Badlands Wilderness. That has to make you very happy. It, it has. It's, it's very exciting. I was, uh, for a time, the chair person of the Juniper Group of the Sierra Club, which is a Central Oregon uh, group. And um, with uh, several friends and, and the the uh, support of that group, we began to agitate, if that's the word, uh, about protecting the Badlands. Because a lot of us uh, uh, hiked out here, enjoyed it, and uh, it was known at at that time as uh, uh, a place where teenagers went to hang out and party. And uh, that was kind of distressing. And also, the more I learned about it, the more I learned about how the desert landscape is not just barren. It it has a lot of interest and a lot of ecological uh, importance. And particularly um, what's known as the cryptobiotic crust, which uh, a lot of people don't think about because it's very small, it's very inconspicuous, but it uh, per- helps to preserve the the desert. And uh, um, it's very important. Everything in the desert is very important ecologically. It supports not only vegetation, but the birds, the animals, the 
the wildlife that that uh, depends on the desert. The preservation of the sage grouse is a is a case example. If the sage grouse is healthy, everything else in the ecosystem is healthy. That's right. It's it's like the canary in the in the coal mine. It uh, it's a sign um, that something is wrong when the sage grouse uh, begins to decrease. What led you to uh, move away to Chile for 12 years and then to return to Central Oregon? It's a it's a very long story, but basically I had been thinking for a long time to retire out of the United States. I have I'm a lifelong traveler and I like to see different places and go different places and think about different places and different ways of life and different cultures and I um, was doing a project in South America, in Chile, uh, with Earthwatch Foundation. And uh, I went as a volunteer, and I arrived in southern Chile, and I said, I love this place, (laughs) and this is where I'm going. And so that's how it happened, that that I moved. And I lived in a rural area actually on a fundo or ranch and um, I was surrounded by the very beautiful landscape of southern Chile. Not not as far south as Patagonia but uh, it was in the lake district so lots of water, lots of beautiful forests. Uh, a unique forest to that area it was called the Bosque Valdiviana and it was made up primarily of the southern beach. And uh, these trees didn't lose their leaves during the wintertime. But anyway, I could go on and on about (laughs) my life in Chile. But the thing is that I I am a herbalist, and I grew medicinal and culinary herbs, and also did other kind of gardening. I grew my own organic vegetables, and it's a very different world down there. I lived, uh, as I said, in a rural area, and most of the people did grow their own vegetables, at least. And so they didn't know the word organic because everything was organic. Although Chile is a country where, particularly for large uh, crops, they use a lot of pesticides. So... Um, that was something that I worked um, against, was the pesticide use, and also GMOs, which had arrived in Chile. Are you happy to be back? Uh, yes and no. It was quite a change. I came back um, primarily because I'm just getting older, and I had family here, and and I had lived in, in uh, Bend for 16 years, and and uh, still had friends, and at my age, some of my friends are gone. So it was a community that I came back to, but I'm rather horrified with what has happened to Band. (laughs) Too many people? Too many people, too much traffic, too much development without a thought of, of how to provide services for those people. It's just, to me, it's just been based on who has the most money to to do whatever they want. Shannon Earnshaw. Thank you for listening. I'm Brian Jennings for The Source Weekly, and you've been listening to SourceCast. 
also online at bendsource.com.